hold on to your butts because we are about to decide who the greatest movie monster is between the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, the Xenomorph from Alien and King Kong from King Kong. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Screen Test where we're not only pitching movies against each other but actual monsters. My name's Jack Howard and I'm joined as always by the chief film critic at The Independent, Clarice Lockery. Hello. One third of the cyber nerds, Joe Kimwin. What's good? And we've completed the set. We've had a third on before and now we've got the final third of the cyber nerds. It's Sam, aka Mr. Blitz Tech. How are you doing, mate? What's good? What's happening? <laughs> hey. Joe, how are you feeling about having Sam on the show? I'm feeling great about having Sam on the show. I'm, I'm excited to talk about King Kong, not really, <laughs> but... I'm glad he's here, nevertheless. I feel like you get more face. fired up when your mates are on. I mean, I just can't lose to them. Like, that's, I can't lose to them, you know? That would be embarrassing. It's yeah. fine, you can just lose to me. I mean, that usually <laughs> happens every other week, so I'm kind of accustomed <laughs> to that, but not today. Because Godzilla, King of Monsters, has just come out on Prime Video, and there's loads of other great movies to scratch that monster itch, like Pacific Rim and Ghostbusters, I thought it might be time to do an episode on movie monsters. So I want to know... Who do you think is the greatest movie monster and what is their best film? Sam, we'll start with you since you're the guest. Uh, I have chosen Peter uh, Jackson's King Kong. Okay, and Joe, what have you picked? I have picked Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. Clarice, what have you picked? I have picked the Xenomorph star of 1979's Alien. Okay, so we have Xenomorph versus Dinosaurs versus Big Ape, but Clarice, You've, you've been wanting to say something about this. I'm so sorry. So go ahead. I'm sorry to do this, but I am, I'm a very big Jurassic Park fan, so this is why I'm very like picky about it. <laughs> it's, it's not a monster movie because a monster has to be an aberration of nature. It has to be like something that should not exist. But the dinosaurs, they're just animals. And this is what Dr. Alan Grant tells Lex when she meets the Brachiosaurus. She says, oh, the monster's coming towards us. He says, no, they're not monsters. They're animals. The monstrous part of Jurassic Park is humanity's foolishness by trying to bring them back. The Clarice. dinosaurs themselves are just, they're just yes. dinosaurs. They're just trying to chill. <laughs> yes, the dinosaurs are dinosaurs when you are right. But obviously, if you are paying attention to the movie, that... The aberration about them is that they are extinct, but now they're here living amongst man. That makes them a monster. But they're not, because this is the whole point of what Alan Grant, the because hero of the movie, been is arguing. Back, because they've been brought back, like they, they make a big fuss in the movie about dinosaurs and humans are not supposed to coexist. That is the aberration that makes them a monsters living amongst people because but then, we was oh, never supposed to collide like that. The people are the monsters. The dinosaurs, they're not trying to do anything. No, people just are just existing. people and do people no, stuff. People, the people are the monsters. But the isn't, monsters. isn't this more than just like the monster itself? Isn't there a language to a monster movie? Because like I could argue, and I think you can argue that Jaws in, in its, is a kind of a monster movie. I believe Jaws is a it monster is, movie. That was one of my picks. Jaws is not a normal shark. It's an aberration of nature because it's like the whole point of it. It's it's like too big. It's too big <laughs> and it's too smart. That shark is too big. Like that's the thing. <laughs> they we need a bigger boat because it's not just like some shark. It's but, Jaws. But to Joe's point, these an these dinosaurs shouldn't exist. They have been man genetically modified yeah. to be asexual as well. Then they then evolve and start procreating. That is. It's an aberration. 
Look, I'm just quoting back what our collective hero, Sam Neill, has told us. <laughs> but I'm I, just I quoting him, him back. He says hero. they're not monsters, <laughs> they're animals, and he's the paleontologist. He's smarter than all of us. He but knows. As well, with monster movies, to your point, uh, Clarice, that sometimes man is the monster, like Shape of Water. You know, it's that, that's very bluntly saying that man is the monster when you think that the sea, sexy sea man is supposed to be the monster. But I think ultimately monster movies are an allegory for something else. And I'm wondering what you think your movies are kind of tapping into. Cause actually I think a link between all three of these films is that human beings are trying to commodify these things. They're trying to eventually make money off them, especially with King Kong and Jurassic Park. But in a way alien is ultimately revealed to be about the advancement of human I assume it's going to be the military. Um, but yeah, that, that was like something I, I noticed about it. So I'm wondering if that spoke to you or if there's something else in those movies that you feel like stands out about what this is trying to say by making Big Monster be there in place it shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. There's definitely an element where in Alien, it's kind of two parallel things where it's the inhumanity of the xenomorph, which I should say, just in case someone points out in the comments, the xenomorph is not like the canon official name for the alien. In truth, it doesn't really have a name. Uh, the, that name comes from a line in Aliens where uh, the commander is in fact just saying alien because xenomorph in Greek means like uh, alien form or alien shape. Uh, just, just in case anyone's being pedantic, I feel like yeah. I've got to say that. But We've just got to short form now. We know collectively that the xenomorph has become an accepted name for it. Yeah, so there's, there's sort of two parallel horrors. You have the, the terror of the xenomorph, but you also have, like, the point of Alien is that they're all just, like, blue-collar workers who are there on contract. They don't even want to go down to the planet to investigate the mysterious signal. They're not heroes. They just, they just want to go back to Earth and make their money and go home and be done. And, and sort of the cruelty of that movie is that the company basically offers them up to to the alien offers them up to death because it wants the prize of of the alien so that it can do military scientific experimental whatever with it i mean the other the other big thing with alien is that <laughs> and this is what dan o'batten bannon the screenwriter said is that he'd seen so many horror movies where women were always the victims. They were kind of the victims of the sexual attack, the sexual assault. And so he very specifically wanted to make a movie where he said he wanted to make all the men in the audience cross their legs. And so that's where we get the chestburster scene, which goes into these like, was this like Freudian idea that a lot of children think that that's how you give birth? It's like through your yeah mouth. it's 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 very freudian very psychological and then the little alien that comes out is like it's that instead of a vagina dentata it's like a penile dentata i don't mm -hmm. know what the word for it would be but it's like a little penis with teeth and it comes out of somebody's chest so there's like <laughs> so that's what i really love about alien is that you have those those multi layers of horror going on you have the sort of exploitation of the workforce and, and capitalism plus all this like psychosexual stuff with uh, scary penises. It's like, I love it. There's just so much going on. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm excited to talk about that more when we get into more of the rounds because I think there's a lot to be unpacked with that. Sam, I want to come to you next and talk about Peter Jackson's King Kong specifically because I mean, King Kong is I think the longest running 
movie character or franchise because it's been going since 1933 and they're still remaking it. And obviously there's something in that story that keeps people coming back to it again and again and again. What is it about this particular iteration? that you, What do you think it is about beyond there being Big Monkey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so for me and uh, Pete Jackson's King Kong is just the way they were able to um, bring to light like something that's a monster that's able to have uh, somewhat emotions. Because mm. obviously when you think of other monster characters, they just want to just out there and just destroy what's come to basically come to their territory or just disturb their way of life. But with King Kong, obviously you have this guy who just wants, like I say, monetary gain. He wants to, his, like his film or show to be like viewed, one of the best things in the world. So he wants the eighth wonder in the world go to it, capture it, and basically just get that kind of... Commodify it. Yeah. And with, like, obviously, King Kong, when you first see him, obviously, he's, like, that monstrous figure. Like, how are you supposed to take down such a beast? But then as the movie goes on, you just see that he is capable of more than just being what you think is a monster. That's what I like about it the most. Do you th Is that something that you feel, like, relates to... I don't know, because like, when I was watching it, like I, I couldn't figure out what it was trying to say. And in the end, I think I felt really frustrated that the ending of it is just watching an atrocity happen to this very cute creature, actually. And this, like, you know, he's been captured by us and brought to a place that he doesn't belong. You know, there's that type of theme going on about human beings um, invading uh, a natural resource and taking from it and... You know, and it, and it coming back to haunt them. But ultimately the ending was just like really sad because it was just watching human beings kill an animal and then it just ends. And I was like, well, why why did I watch that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel how you thought about that movie, Jack, as well. Like I finished watching it and I'm just like, like, what is this? Like, what are you lot actually trying to say? Like they pretty much appropriate the culture, take it back, realize that, oh, we can't control it, don't understand it. And then they kill it. Like to me, it's just like... Doesn't feel like the ending. Yeah, I, d I just don't like it. Innit? I just feel like it doesn't really say anything good. And like, it's just not exciting to me. I don't, I didn't enjoy it. But when we're talking about Jurassic Park, um, I feel like there's that, um, we're gonna try and make money. We're gonna try and commodify something that we shouldn't. The, the theme of like man trying to conquer nature and try and create nature and, and feel like they can handle nature when nature just should be left alone. Like it's not something that we should be trying to get involved with. All right, well, let's get into the rounds then. The first round is gonna be cast, but I'm gonna do cast and the monster itself because obviously I wanna talk about why this interpretation, because these have been, they've had many, many movies, uh, both, all three of these um, monsters. So I wanna talk about why it is that this one is the one that stands out for you, but also the cast that are with the monster because a monster is only as scary as the people reacting to it. Like, for example, we'll come to you first, Joe. Nothing beats Laura Dern screaming at a, <laughs> at a raptor. Like, it wouldn't be as scary without her or without Jeff Goldblum going, must go faster. Like, it's it's them that make it, you know, go that much further. And this is one of the things I love about Jurassic Park the most is that I think it does what um, Aliens does, but better and for everyone. Like, there's the whole suspense of waiting for the dinosaurs to be revealed, but then there's also how scary Jurassic Park and how tension-filled it is 
in like the second half and the third and the last act of the movie. Like I was watching it again the other day and I was like, I don't even, like it's still that scary. Like they have a jump scare in there that I feel like might be one of the best jump scares like I've ever seen with um, Laura Dern and she's all excited. And then the Velociraptor just comes straight through the yeah. wires. Like you just never expect that. And I'd, you just don't expect that in a movie that's like PG-13 as well. The two kids love those as well. Um, her scream when uh, they're outside the car, the car's flipped upside down and she's just petrified and just screaming. Like they sell how scary the dinosaurs are. The thing about what Spielberg does with the cast as well, that he is not being shy about his imagery. Like he's being really blunt about the fact that, I mean, first of all, it's the whole thing is kind of about parenthood and all the rest of it to do with Sam Neill's character. But the fact that it is about human beings playing God and you have Jeff Goldblum being all dressed in black, <laughs> talking about chaos. And then you have Richard Attenborough looking like God. And then them two are sat opposite each other, having a conversation about all this stuff. I, I love that. I love and I, I'm a sucker for like obvious imagery like that. And I love that he wasn't shy about doing that. I just love the way they, they all work together. You know, like mm. um, the way it's like, obviously Jeff Goldblum, you're saying he's the devil, but it's also the voice of like caution. Like we shouldn't be doing this. This mm -hmm. is crazy. This mm -hmm. is weird. Why are we here? Do you know what I'm saying? I love that. But I also love, um, Attenborough's whole kind of arc through the movie where he realizes the error of his ways and why he shouldn't actually be doing this. And I love that because sometimes that character wouldn't have that realization. They'd probably just get eaten or something. Mm -hmm. So I love that it wasn't like he was full villain. He had done something kind of villainous maybe through thinking that it was gonna be a good thing for the world but then obviously realizes that it was a bad choice. Which he is in the book, I think, right? Or at least in the original script, because I, I know that Steven Spielberg specifically changed the character to be more sympathetic because he like empathized with the showmanship aspect because Jurassic Park is just like a theme park. And obviously Steven Spielberg's done a lot of work in, in theme parks. So I think he kind of saw himself mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in that character, which I think is quite sweet. What about you then, Clarice? Tell me about this iteration of the Xenomorph and then the surrounding cast and obviously uh, the, the historic th thing to do with the casting of, in this movie. Yeah, well, yeah, Sigourney Weaver, Ellen Ripley, like one of the most important and iconic female characters in film. And yeah, I mean, the story always goes, so in, in the script, all the characters were written just like genderless. Like there was no really indication of who to cast for any of them. And they were gonna cast a man until I think like a few weeks up until shooting. And they actually just, I mean, the original reason to do it is actually less like, yeah, feminism <laughs> than you want it to be. Mm -hmm. They decided to change it to a woman because they thought the audience would, expect her to die well, they wouldn't expect her to survive to the end so yeah. it was kind of like upending sexist assumptions mm -hmm. in the audience they, yeah they, sort of using it against you yeah and and so they cast Sigourney Weaver at that point like this was her first lead role on film she'd hadn't really she'd done Broadway and she'd gone to drama school but she 
was really an unknown at that point. They were at one point going to care as Meryl Streep. She was considered briefly. Uh, but Sigourney Weaver came allegedly through the recommendation of Warren Beatty. And like she is amazing in this role, like so incredible. And, and I love the way that she's talked about Ripley in this film that, you know, she is just a competent young person. And that's what I love about the entire cast. It's it's not what you expect from a horror movie. It's not like a bunch of hot young things. It's a cast of like diverse middle-aged people who are just workers on uh, the kind of people you would imagine would be working on some kind of trading um, shipment ship. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like Harry Dean Stanton's there. Like you wouldn't normally cast him as like <laughs> in a horror movie to be running away from the monster, but he's there and he's great. And John Hurt's there and he's great. And and yeah, so she's always spoken about the fact that the the greatest thing about that script is that they didn't like try to make her a female character. They just made her Ripley mm-hmm. and it's believable and it's grounded and and that you could kind of tell in the sequels that like subsequent male screen screenwriters struggled a little bit because suddenly they're like oh she's a female character gotta make her a female character and so an alien she wants to be a mother Ah! like that's the thing it's like i love aliens but the fact that immediately in aliens she gets the like sarah connor butch haircut and she's immediately like i am concerned about being a mother now when in the first movie it's like her greatest concern is like the cat (laughs) gotta save the cat she is iconic and what about the alien itself I mean, what a creepy little guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I think you, the credit all goes to H.R. Geiger. So I don't know if anyone's seen his his artwork. It's called um, Biomechanical often because it's a mixture of like organic flesh and robotics. And it's always weird and sexual. And so the actual xenomorph is based off one of his designs. Something unlike any alien we'd seen before like this was not the little green man from mars this was something completely yeah (laughs) (laughs) like completely and utterly nightmarish but you can kind of pick up little elements like on the costume there was like piping from cars and like actual little bits of skeletons and and so it's all like coming together to create something that you're like i it's something close to something that i recognize but just kind of off and that's that's really creeping me out because i can't quite place it and also the fact that like props to ridley scott for making it through it's all puppets and, and practical effects and it's mostly like a guy in a stu- a suit it was a nigerian student that they found who was just very tall and slim and they're like do you want to be the alien and he said sure <laughs> There's one scene in it where you're like, oh, it's 100% a person. It, ah, it yeah, in, like in, the, in the, in the yeah. vents yeah. when the light comes on, it, it, just, it just does this for yeah. the jump scare. Yeah, yeah but it was 1979. <laughs> Let's just say it was 1979. I feel like yeah. the effects are very impressive for 1979. Every version of the alien creature in Alien is scary. The egg is scary. All the eggs are scary. The face hug is scary. Face hug is scary. Yeah. Um, when I think the facehugger might be the scariest thing. Like the fact that it's just incapacitating John Hurt, and when you touch it, it just wraps its tail around the neck even tighter. And think that all that stuff to me is like it's uh, no, that's worse. I find the acid blood yep. really 
creepy and this is what annoys me about the sequels is that the acid becomes less and less of a thing or it's just like mm, acid like in alien the acid one drop threatens to go the whole way through the ship like multi levels of ship and and that's like the terrifying thing of knowing that they can't shoot it they can't hit it they can't cut it they can't do anything like they they just can't there's no way to defeat it and i i find that the scariest element of it so they all just have to like stand around and hope that it goes of its own accord <laughs> so in contrast to all the puppetry and practical effects uh, of alien and in jurassic park and we'll talk specifically about iconic scenes later which is a blend of the two puppets and cgi we'll go to peter jackson's king kong with sam and andy circus playing big monkey what <laughs> 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 like wow like like regardless of what i think of the surrounding film wow the fact that they did that king kong you get a lot of emotion almost for every single scene that is in and yeah that for me that's just flags just amazing like even i think the part where you see him actually have joy when they're just like dancing around and playing around and stuff and he just wants her to dance mm -hmm. like before you've seen him just roaring being angry it's coming to get what he wants to, to that scene i think yeah yeah, I, I like the bit when he just pushes her over. <laughs> yeah, do and something he, right now. Acts like a real gorilla mm. would, which I find it even in the Kong Skull Island. Like in Godzilla versus Kong, he's just like a bro by the end of it. But I, what I really like about the movie is how carefully they they studied like the real animal and all the little reactions and the facial things. The the way he plays with her, it's like, oh yeah, that's how a giant gorilla would act. I believe it. The first time you see Kong, like they start with just showing you his eye yeah. and, and they do give you that scary vibe. And then it's like five minutes later, he's like mucking around and rolling mm. around and stuff. So I definitely do think he has got the most personality, but I do feel like one of the things that I hate about the later Jurassic Park movies is that they try to give the dinosaurs character. They and are moments away from subtitling those friggin' raps. Yeah, like, oh it's, my God. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I Blue. feel like in the original <laughs> Jurassic Park, there's none of that. The dinosaurs are dinosaurs. There are forces of nature. And I feel like that influences their character. Like, and having like the raptors opening doors or where it puts yeah, its head it's up and it breathes. And that, I feel like that's character without going too far yeah like, you're not making it like humanoid yeah i think one interesting thing about kong is like obviously the the 1933 one is like insanely racist and the origins of kong are just very very racist and it's been with every subsequent film it's been interesting to see how filmmakers are trying to like create distance from that mm. and i feel like with peter jackson's kong like that was such a a huge part of what he was doing is like right let's recreate a new like a new story and a new theme and a new metaphor for this and for it to be about nature and our connection with because i i see it as like her connection is the connection that jane goodall has with the sure. the monkeys that she studies like there's a love because they're just two creatures like connecting emotionally mm -hmm. And yeah, it, I, it's really interesting how they do that. But then also like <laughs> with the people who live on Skull Island, they kind of 
Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I didn't think it's the biggest biggest departure (laughs) from from being racist with how the people on Skull Island are depicted and then how in the theatre... That's it, man. They're also depicted again. Like, like, surely, Peter Jackson, it should have been that they're interrupting a harmonious... Skull Island that's not as scary as everybody well, thinks. Well, that's Kong Skull Island. Isn't that so interesting that in the newer version, the people who live on Skull Island are like pretty chill and, and that, harmonious. That, it just immediately made me uncomfortable. Everyone of color, I think, dies in the, all in the same scene. Yeah. And then it, it being three hours as well, I was like, I've really got to watch this. And I was even more mad that Sam picked it. Do you know what I'm saying? And I was like, Sam, you can do better, bro. Why are you, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah, it was all for torture for Personal punishment. <laughs> but Sam, I'm, 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 we, we sort of just took over there and talked about all that, but I'm wondering what is it about the cast that does work for you? Like, talk about Jack Black and uh, Naomi Watts no, was, and things yeah. like that. So uh, yeah, the cast as well. Um, I think I like Jack Black's character because he's just one man on a mission depending who's going to comment or not, he's just going to be like, I'm going to get my way. Even though Aki now is a runaway criminal, he's not even meant to be doing this film. He's still going to try and make everything work. And no matter what the trials and tribulations he goes through, he still gets his job done and still walks away with it at the end. I really like Jack Black is used against us as well. That We just inherently like Jack Black. Actually him turning out to be a villain. I thought that was, that was clever. Yeah. I did like that about his character. And then just Naomi Watts as well. I liked her character for, again, just her connection with like King Kong. If her emotional presence with uh, King Kong wasn't really there, then it would have felt quite bland to see what reaction we would get out of King Kong, apart from him just being this raging beast. So mm-hmm. I feel like without that kind of ensemble with them, yeah, the movie would have been, yeah. But okay. yeah, good performances there. All right. This is a difficult one to pick because actually I think regardless of my feelings on Peter Jackson's King Kong, all the cast in it are really good and they're all doing their part. And again, like Andy Serkis, this is kind of still at the beginnings of his like motion capture. And he's in it twice as well. I forgot. Yeah, he's he's also in it yeah. um, with his little one eye thing that he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> but like everybody in all these movies is really good, but I have to just bring my bias to this and I'm going to give top points to Jurassic Park, to, to Joe, and then a... a little second place to, to Alien and then I'm going to give it to to, to King Kong. Uh, one point to King Kong. So that means at the end of the first round, the T-Rex has three points, the Xenomorph has two points and King Kong has one point. Okay. So now we're going to go on to memorable scenes or like best film as well. The fact that these all have so many movies and why yours specifically is the standout of these monsters particularly. Um, but yeah, let's talk about memorable scenes. We'll go to King Kong first. Uh, for me, the most memorable scene, obviously, is going to be when he starts raging through the city. He breaks out of the theater. Uh, he's going off the Jack Black. Looking for blonde women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you my blonde woman? No. <laughs> Literally just chucks them away. Yeah, it's not her. Next. And then, yeah, he comes across Naomi Watts. They have the little, you know, thing in the park the army come in start doing a madness and he starts climbing the tower like that's what everyone knows king kong for so yeah i love the scene in the park i think the scene in the park is my favorite when they go ice skating really? it's just really cute all the moments between them i do because his eyes are so cute and they do 
they look at each other a lot. And when they do like have those close-ups of both their faces, they do sell it. Yeah, looking into the eye of, I think anyone's souls. I think they shot that perfectly really well. Mm. But I think the movie had way too many scenes to go through. Like even the part with them going through that, that crevice with all the big insects coming out. That part for me was quite scary. That mm. part was quite messed up. You said the T-Rex bit. Yeah, I mean, the T-Rex bit, the fight with the T-Rex, I think is incredibly yeah. well done. Uh, it's actually a V-Rex. Oh, because yeah. because um, if dinosaurs were still going to be around, they would have evolved from the T-Rex into a V-Rex. That's why there's slight differences in right. them. Ah, Joe, the bonus point. Thank you. <laughs> Dinosaur facts. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's a, definitely a tower climb. And then, yeah, just the whole climb, him going up here, it just felt, obviously, we know what was going to happen in if you've seen the previous movies, but there's it coming to an end. And obviously, him having his, again, his moment, looking at her into each other's eyes, knowing that he's been mortally wounded now and he's going to die. Mm. Oh, it's, it's just, too, it's actually too much for me. Just the scene at the end where, like, they're climbing on top of him and taking pictures and stuff oh. like that. It's just dead, like, so dead. To it's me, disgusting. Like, yeah. I hate it. Like, why did Peter Jackson want to do that? I just don't understand what it like. I would, this is it. I'm all for something that is that horrid if I feel like there's a greater thing that's being said. And I, I just personally don't feel it. Okay, so top of the Empire State Building, a classic. All right, Joe. What, which scenes are you going for in the first Jurassic Park? A fair have, few. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to go with the one I mentioned already with the starting scene with um, Sam Neill breaking down to the kid about the Velociraptor killing him because that's just not how you're supposed to start a movie that's like 12 age, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I love that part of it. Also the um, first emerge, like the first immersion of the T-Rex with the flooding water that I feel like is now in everything where something big's about to happen and the water starts rippling and it gets closer and closer and closer. Um, I mean, how else are you going to do that any better? And talk about like a blend between CGI and puppetry. The CGI in that scene with the T-Rex coming out the fence still looks amazing. I think the best scene for me watching it, like the absolute number one is like the opening of the gates of Jurassic Park with the John Williams theme just slowly building, slowly building and the gate opening and then them seeing the dinosaurs and being shocked like, oh, they actually move in herds and this and like everything that they've studied their whole lives is just it's just adding up like things are being confirmed things are being um <laughs> thrown away like i just i think that is just a magical scene especially for it's great seeing that through their eyes because there's no one on the planet who could be more excited about dinosaurs than them like fully grown adults who studied it forever do you know what i'm saying so I, I just loved experiencing that part with them. And then if you do want to talk about like the CGI and the graphics, it was said that Jurassic Park is to special effects what adding sound was to 1939, was it 39? Bang. Yeah, so like when sound was added to film, this is how, that is what, how monumental Jurassic Park was to and visual I know effects. that sounds good but it was also the reason why George Lucas thought he could do Star Wars. I've, no, I've got even more than that, Jack. So basically <laughs> off of Jurassic Park's visual effects, um, it was 1927, I'm fact checking myself. Um, that inspired George Lucas to go and start working on the Star Wars prequels. And it also inspired Peter Jackson to revisit and explore fantasy, which then led him to get to make King 
uh, King Kong and Lord of the Rings. This is all supposed to be my cultural impact, Jack, but you brought yeah. me here right now. Well, let's, I'm going to carry those points over, mate. There's a, there's a, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a future bonus point. You haven't got it yet. Thank you. But we're just going to find that later in, in, in cultural impact. All right, cool. Even when you see it now, like watch rewatching the movie, it's it still has that same feeling, that nostalgia's there. I think that's kind of what it does, isn't it? That the whole movie takes you through the ride of like how incredible it would be to see this again. And, you know, in a cinematic way, like we hadn't seen CGI yeah. used this way ever. And what about iconic scenes from Alien? Well, if we're talking about things that are scary, mm -hmm. Chessbuster. Holy Chessbuster. And John Hurt's <laughs> performance in that as well. Again, it's kind of what sells all the VFX and all the sort of rapid cuts. Yeah, and so what he did, I find the story behind the scene fascinating. So he was underneath the table and he had his arms and his legs kind of stuck out and his head sticking out and they had a fake center, mm -hmm. which they had filled with pig organs. <laughs> and then the little puppet, with, there's a puppeteer as well with the little puppet poking out. And they had told the cast they knew that something was going to come out of the chest. They did not know about the organ part. And so they was filming it and the puppeteer tried to push the puppet up through and it didn't work. And everyone leaned in closer <laughs> and he tried again. And then that's the shot that you get. It was a shot on four cameras because they did it in one take. And the explosion was so sudden and so violent and so disgusting and it stank that Veronica Cartwright's reaction in that movie is just real. <laughs> and she, then you, you do get bits of blood and stuff on people as well, don't you? Yeah, she gets splattered right in the face with pig guts. So hers was just a fully natural reaction to getting splattered in the face with pig guts. She fell over. <laughs> Wow. in shock and because they only had one take she had to like quickly just get up and get back into the scene and so that's that's why it's so iconic it's because they had this like one moment to do it so much of it is a natural raw reaction because the writers and i think quite a few of the camera operators knew what was going to happen and they were all in cagoules <laughs> giggling <laughs> And so there was like this incredible tense atmosphere in the room where they're like, oh, we know something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, because Sigourney Weaver was talking about how she could see all the screenwriters in the corner like whispering to each other, which mm. I love. Definitely going to give you a bonus point for that story, Clarice. <laughs> I think you. I knew in part that they didn't exactly know what was going to happen, but I didn't know all the details about it being like pig guts and things like that. And then shooting it on four cameras, no idea. Yeah, and it just stank. It smelled disgusting, which I love. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't, I I mean, that, that scene is so terrifying and weird and like so scary that it's kind of funny. I always laugh when well, the I, little... Yeah, <laughs> it's just when his little face like pokes up and he looks around yeah. and he's got the little teeth. It's it's because it's just so like completely beyond your imagination of anything that would ever happen. It's like your body doesn't know how to deal with it. It's like I can scream or I can laugh right now. And um, many audiences did scream. There was a lot of people leaving the cinema when that originally came out because like, I, I know the effect has dulled over time, but like, yeah, when it, it came out in 1979, people were losing it in the cinema. Everyone was just running for the aisles when that happened. And I kind of, I, I wish I could have been there to experience that 
for the first time because it is truly like one of the, you know, like the Jurassic Park scene of the, them seeing the dinosaurs for the first time. Mm. Like I didn't see it when it first came out, but I remember the first time I watched it just being like completely overwhelmed because I was like, that's a dinosaur. <laughs> that's like an actual dinosaur. Every single time I still get emotional. And I think like both of those movies and even King Kong, I, I went and see King Kong when it came out and I remember being awed by the special effects. I was like, I have never seen anything like that. So I think all three movies in terms of like memorable scenes are so special because of what they what they were at the time they came out and what they kind of like contributed and yeah. the atmosphere of watching those films in a cinema with people like it's just it's the magic of the movies baby <laughs> well i'm gonna show my bias again i'm a generation who grew up on the simpsons so there's nothing more iconic in my eyes than jurassic park i think every single scene in some way is parodyable. And I, I kind of, you know, that's what I mean about equating it to The Simpsons. Like if you can do a pastiche of it, and I know you can pastiche Alien just as well, but there's something about my 90s heart that, you know, if I think about Jurassic Park and the eye, the dinosaur's eye, and everything about it to me is iconic. Music, shots, performances, all of it. So I think that I'm gonna give top points to Jurassic Park. Two points to um, uh, Alien, but with a, Bonus point as well for Clarice because she's a walking IMDb trivia page. <laughs> and one point to King Kong because as we... I'm making it very clear I didn't like that movie. On the third one, we're going to talk about cultural impact. So this is a point where we're going to discuss what we've already gone for. Joe, you've already got yourself a little bonus point. What is the cultural impact of Jurassic Park? Go. Yeah, I think Jurassic Park has just influenced cinema like just all the way like with the visual effects and even one thing that i thought was so interesting is that like with george lucas being in inspired to then do the prequels he then goes and does the prequels and it's all cgi yes yeah, which much. yeah looking back we're like no 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 it's too much but then obviously the newer star wars now they they do the mix of um cgi and practical effects and that's actually what jurassic park had done in the beginning so it's like when you look at it, like filmmakers were trying to copy and, and recreate it, but they were still like 20 years behind, like actually following that, the correct process in doing it. And I feel like Jurassic Park's impact is, is, is just massive. Um, I should, I think one good thing to point out is Kathleen Kennedy, the yeah. producer gonna, on yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's, 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 I, I read, ahead. and I don't know, there are some contradictions in this, but I read that she was the one who originally suggested that they should use CGI for the Gallimimus, the, the, that scene where they first see the dinosaurs, mm. that she's like re responsible for it all which I just think is cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't know, I don't know about that if she did do that, but I did know that she was a producer and I felt like that's just, just great to know that, that she was producing here and then she then gets led and does, well, is in control of all of Star Wars now. I mean, she was stood side by side with Spielberg for a lot of stuff, but she mm -hmm. was a producer on Back to the Future as well. Like, she, you know, she's she's all over. Like, E.T. E.T., yeah, she's all God, over. Like, iconic. She chose the eyes for E.T. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, John Williams scores, I think it's one of his best scores up there with Superman and the Star Wars stuff. Um, obviously, they've got Jurassic Park rides in every universal resort, wherever they're at. And they're scary um, as well. The bit when you're in the log flume and you're going towards the end and the, the T-Rex comes out of the darkness. 
Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. It's um, real. And it was the number one grossing movie in 1993. And at the time, it was the number one grossing movie of all time. Mm-hmm. But now it's been surpassed by a couple of things. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean... Its impact is real, and I still feel like people can watch that movie and enjoy it and still learn from it today. Sam, what do you think about the cultural impact of King Kong? Obviously, um, I've already told you it's the longest, he's the longest uh, running character, I believe, in cinema since 1933. That's it. And uh, yeah, he's still going strong. So even from uh, Peter oh. Jackson, um, obviously, three hour take, the guy just likes longer movies, but then he also does special effects super, super well. So obviously, back in the day, we had King Kong with all the models and stuff. And then we get 2005 King Kong, where it's like special effects. From then on, winning awards and stuff, you can mm. see the effect that he has on now stuff, uh, movie monsters like Godzilla, Skull Island, Godzilla versus King Kong. All those movies, I feel the like- Planet of the Apes movies as well. Like obviously, literally Andy Serkis mm. went on and played more monkeys. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So obviously he found his, like, uh, his craft with that, but- He found I his f- niche. Yeah. But I feel like if Peter Jackson didn't do so well with the special effects on King Kong, with King Kong, you see, like you see him like a, a majority of the time. So you see obviously the fur moving and how realistic it looks. And then from then on forth, I feel like when you go to movies like The Lord of the Rings or even The Hobbit and you're just seeing how detailed something like Smaug is as a dragon or uh, King Co- oh, Godzilla even in like King of the Monsters where you see all the scales, he's like atomic breath. If that was still almost like practical, I don't feel like it would feel as good or as real mm-hmm. because of the absence of King Kong if it didn't happen. Clarice, the cultural impact of Alien. Well, it's interesting because I, I guess it's had a massive impact on both sci-fi and horror. So it's kind of got the, the two things going. I mean, It basically invented the genre of space horror. I know there's not been that many great examples because it's stuff like Life and the Cloverfield Paradox, but hey, it's still very- And the Alien sequels. Well, yeah, oh yeah. I guess that that was a given, right? (laughs) 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 They they made more Alien movies and um, I mean, everyone loves Aliens. Yes, they do. And some people like Alien 3. No one likes Alien Resurrection. David Fincher doesn't like Alien 3. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of like it. It's bad, mm. but I like that he fully committed to the gothic horror aspect of it, mm-hmm. which is something that Aliens did forget, you know, which is as much as I, I like it as it's a fun action movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it... <laughs> but they are, they are now just remaking Alien with sort of different, not, not, not in the actual franchise, but like, you know, the movie Life um, with Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal and stuff like, basically it's just, let's do Alien, but the creature can look different. Yeah, there's been so many examples of like, oh, let's, let's kind of do the same. And Cloverfield Paradox was exactly mm. the same of like, let's capitalize on the claustrophobia of a spaceship and just unleash something inside. And even and, um, Steven Soderbergh's Solaris, yeah. which I know is a remake of, an actual it's an actual remake of another movie called Solaris but even that feels like it's playing with the language that Ridley Scott invented against you to make you feel like there could be a monster on that on that ship right okay so at the end of the cultural impact round I am going to give I am going to give top marks to Jurassic Park again I think I think top marks the entire way down 
the fact that it, it Joe, you did your research as well, man. Like it, the fact that it influenced all of that stuff um, going forward, the stuff that we're now holding so close is, and the way that cinema changed to become like the pendulum swung too far to go more VFX heavy and then swung back and went, no, they had it right the first time. It should be a mix of the two. Um, and then two marks uh, to Alien and then to Kong. Because I think that the... I don't want to uh, undersell how important the motion capture has been to, to cinema now because everybody uses it for everything. If there's a character that's in CGI, somebody will be doing motion capture for it. Like Thanos. Like, I don't think people... I mean, everyone loves Thanos, but I don't think people talk enough about how good josh brolin is as thanos like i know the vfx are incredible but his delicate like performance of it and that's i think all thanks to the way that andy circus was doing things back then so that is a one point but it's a it's it's the nicest of the single points that i've given to this king kong movie <laughs> so before we go into the imdb round at the moment jurassic park or the t-rex velociraptor dinosaurs have 10 points the xenomorph alien has seven points sam uh, King Kong only has three points. I'm sorry you're a guest and I hate doing this, inviting a guest in and treating them so badly, but you did this to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you picked this 2005 mess that Peter Jackson designed. I've just done Lord of the Rings. You can do anything you want. I want to remake King Kong. That's all right. You, all right. Lovable Peter. monkey. He doesn't love a lovable monkey like King Kong. <laughs> okay, so now we're going into the IMDb rating. So, how do you feel that you're going to do? What's going to come out on top? What's going to be in the bottom? What's going to be in the middle? I'm what going Jurassic Park, Alien, King Kong. Well, a big gap and then King Kong. Wow. Yeah, I think it will be close between Alien and Jurassic Park because mm -hmm. they're both just massively beloved in yeah. a way that almost makes it hard to compare them. Yeah. What do you feel like? Do you, do you have faith in Alien to make it at the top or do you think it might? Not really. No? You think Jurassic Park's going to be at the top? <laughs> like, I'm more of a Jurassic Park. I am obsessed with Jurassic Park. I just didn't pick it because I still believe it's not a monster movie. <laughs> well, when I win, you'll <laughs> definitely be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, Sam, do you yeah. do you think that King Kong's going to end up on the bottom? Uh, yeah, I definitely feel like it will. I don't think the three hours did King Kong any justice. Mm. Yeah, three Despite hours. how lovable the monkey Sam. is. I'll keep saying that. But... Um, Oh, it's tough between Jurassic Park and Alien, especially at the times that they came out. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with I think Alien first. Okay. Then Jurassic Park. Slap like that, yeah. Well, let's put you out your misery. I'll see you at home. Alexa, tell me the IMDb rating for Peter Jackson's King Kong. King Kong has an IMDb rating of 7.2 out of 10. I think 7.2 is pretty respectable. That's pretty good. That's not bad. But I don't think that neither Jurassic Park or Alien are going to have anything less than at least an eight. At yeah. least. Alexa, tell me the IMDb rating for Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park has an IMDb rating of 8.1 out of 10. 8.1. That's a bit lower than I was expecting. Who are these people that are voting Jurassic Park down? Is it because they hate the, the one and <laughs> the scene where Lex hacked? the computer in like two seconds oh yeah <laughs> and it's the really weird thing where she's like hacking a computer and it's like this weird she's just clicking on folders it's yeah. not hacking <laughs> and they make it out like she's doing some big thing and she's just like oh uh, it's probably in the security folder. i got it <laughs> <laughs> i feel yeah, like that do. that's maybe a reason to vote it down yeah, one a little point bit, yeah <laughs> oh that's a minutiae though you, whatever okay alexa 
Tell me the IMDb rating for Alien. So there we have it. According to the people, Alien surpasses Jurassic Park, which gives you three points, Clarice, which brings you up to 10 points, but not enough to stop the monster movie so to beat all monster movies. <laughs> Jurassic Park with 12 points. King Kong finishes with four points. Sorry, Sam. You came here expecting to have a good time and you've just been attacked. Oh, it's all right. You've been no, nothing Kong. new on the sofa. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that means, Joe, that you are the winner of the prestigious Screen Test Award. There you go. Oh, why, thank you, Jack. Um, you're welcome. I mean, you're welcome. I just want to thank Man, the real monster. Um, and yeah, long live Laura Jurassic Dern, Park. Sam Neill. Jeff Goldblum's laugh. Jeff Goldblum's laugh, yeah. <laughs> His little naked laying yeah. that he does. <laughs> I hope he does that in the new one. So no matter what Clarice thinks, the T-Rex has officially been crowned the greatest movie monster of all time. And if you head over to Prime Video right now, you'll find Godzilla King of Monsters available to watch, along with others like Pacific Rim and... Ghostbusters, that they're monsters, they count. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure. And we'll see you all next time. Go away now. Go away. Go away. Go away.